It's said that everything is bigger in Texas. Well, hockey is no different. Right off the draw, Haskin and scores! Come see your Dallas Stars live and experience the Texas-sized hits, big-time goals, and the thrill of victory. Ben Barchman, score! Join the excitement all season long. Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets today. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Trading is as old as time. Mesopotamia tribes were likely the starting point of the bartering system back in about 6,000 B.C. Phoenicians saw the process and they adapted it in their society. These ancient people utilized the bartering system to get the food, weapons, and spices they needed. The NHL barter system concludes in four days, and already a litany of trades have been consummated, and that is the headline of this edition of the Podman Rush, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. How about that intro, Mike Heike? So this all started in Arizona? That's what you're saying? The <laughs> yeah, Phoenicians? I knew. <laughs> I knew. Yeah, it started at the Phoenician Resort. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it is. It's yeah, hard I to think believe. It, I think it was somewhere around the cocktail bar, maybe at the spa. Could have been on like hole number four. I'm not sure. I'm it's not a good sure. environment for bartering. It is. I bet you some bartering did does get done at the Phoenician. <laughs> uh, anyway, Stars General Manager Jim Nill joined these proceedings with the trade of Denis Gurionov for Evgeny Dodonov. And you've written about it. You were peppering questions in there yesterday. <laughs> the, uh, I, I guess now we've, we've even seen a game with the incoming. So your, your initial thoughts on all of it, and, and then we'll get a little bit into, into Dodonov and his debut well, I was going to say, I'll, I'll actually, all right, I'll, I'll start with the whichever way you want to do it, Mike. I was going to say my initial impact was, I don't get it. You know, I didn't know that much about the Donoff and, you know, I just thought there were bigger fish that could have been had. Um, and that, but, and then you go back and you get the story and you see what his numbers were and you see that, you know, he needs, a, a you know, a, a reset and what better, you know, group of coaches to help him with the reset than Pete DeBoer and his staff, um, because they know him. And then you look at his history as a 20 goal scorer and it, it really makes a ton of sense. And the fact that Montreal ate half of his salary. So now he comes at a $2.5 million cap hit. You send Dennis Garion off away at 2.9. You pick up 400,000. The hope is that after Friday, maybe you're not sending uh, all these players up and down at, uh, for every off day. So all of it makes complete sense. Now, my initial reaction was what, but now it really does make sense. Well, uh, I'm glad you have uh, reconciled your mind with all that went on. <laughs> That's what the most important thing is. Uh, like I said it last night uh, on the broadcast a couple of times, it, it, it smacks of, of Vladi Nemestikov last year in that there was a guy that had uh, been on a team that, that Rick Bonus was coaching. So he had a known commodity for the head coach. You had a guy that had tons of experience and fit 
uh, into the need that the team had at the time. And now you have the, the same thing again in a lot of ways here in that Dodonoff is, is DeBoer's Brian Noonan. That's a hot Mike Keenan reference there, Mike. There you go. Doesn't go. All the kids are going like, who? Yeah. Well, it, it just backstory when Mike Keenan was coaching around the NHL, every team he went on, they seemed to acquire Brian Noonan. And uh, he was one of those glue fit guys, and he believed he had to have him. This is different, obviously, but it's the third, yeah. te- it's the third team that the two of them have, have been together on. So there, there was prior knowledge of, of what you're getting. And I, I think coaches like that, you know, Dennis leaving here, no, nobody ever questioned his speed and his skill and that shot, but the hockey toolbox didn't always sort things out as well as they wanted it to be sorted out here. And you know what, four or five different coaches concurred on that. And I think you and I were talking about, I am somewhat surprised that he didn't excel more in, in DeBoer's system in that, you know, it's such a, a aggressive skating, you know, wingers can, can blow the zone and, and use that speed and, and that, and, and it just, you know, two goals and it just never seemed to turn into what, it looked like it might turn into, and I'm, I'm sure Jim Nill and management were probably thinking the same thing. It's like, here you go. Uh, maybe we can, we can get Dennis back to the, uh, some of the levels and, and the uh, spurts that we've seen in past. And on top of that, at least half of the 2015 first round has now been moved. And, and he was the star's first round draft pick in, in 2015. And if you go back to that draft, Ajo, Sebastian Ajo in Carolina and Rope Hints would go top five yeah. if you redrafted it instead of in the second round. And uh, that, that's where they went. They're both just extremely impactful and excellent players in this league. Uh, you know, and then another thing that crossed my mind, there are now only, I think I have nine players that remain with the stars from the 2020 bubble cup final team. Wow. And, and only three of the top six scores that that's the business nowadays. Yes. That That's how quickly these things get turned over. Uh, and, and you, you know, I, it just allows people to start diving into what's gone on and everyone always wants to get overly preoccupied with first rounders. And man, if you can grab guys like Rope Hints or like Sebastian Ajo after or in your second rounds and the latest of course is, is, uh, is Jason Robertson, although they didn't have much of an issue in the first round that year, that but, year no. but you run through them now. It's, you know, you peruse the stars first rounders over the past decade and you, it goes, uh, Val Nachushkin in, in 2013, Honka, Gurionov, Tufty. I just list 2017 as Bonanza now. You have Miro Haskinen, Jake Ottinger, and Jason Robertson in a matter of 36 picks, I think, that year. And then Delandria, Harley, Bork, Johnston. And is it is it Bixel? Or Bischel? Uh, they pronounce it on TV as Bixel. Bixel. Bixel last year. So 
you know, you look at it, four of the last 10 first round draft picks are playing on the team right now. Yeah. And no, and it's fine. I, I think, you know, they also got the the problems of, you know, uh, uh, beforehand with um, Campbell and, uh, oh, uh, who's uh, Glennie? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they had some first rounders who really went bust. Um, and then, you know, you even look at guys like uh, Alexiak, who had to go away, I think, to kind of reset his brain. And, you know, so you look at, you don't want to criticize their development because there's some very good players who've come through here and they just weren't first round picks. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, you look at Dennis and you say, here's a guy who could go someplace else the way that Val did, the way that Alexiak did, and he could learn something different. Maybe he'll look at it differently. I mean, everybody says that Val told, you know, the front office, hey, I was a big part of the problem. Uh, and it took him going away to realize that he had to make some adjustments himself. Um, and I think Alexiak did the same thing because he was part of that trio of defensemen that were all fighting for minutes. And right. I think it affected their brain. He was a and healthy scratch. He, Remember that? It was crazy. It, how do you, it, what a tough way to develop when you're being a healthy scratch yes. night after night. Well, and again, those guys were what, 23, 24. And if they made one mistake, that was it. They were sitting the next game. Yeah. So Nemeth, uh, Stephen Johns, and Alexiak all rotating into the lineup and, they were they were playing. Talk about squeezing your stick. Uh, those guys were nervous, and so you look at that and go, well, you know, that's part of the team's development, not just the the scouts who drafted these guys. And it's a big ball of confusion when you try and sort things out, and you almost have to look at each individual. Um, the thing about Dennis, I think, is he was a really from everybody I talked to. A really nice guy, a really respectful guy, a guy who wanted to do whatever he was told to do, but then just whatever didn't have the ability to do those things. Yeah, uh, you know his brain or, or do them consistently because there, right. there would be these these spikes and and even you'd hear it under the, this regime where it would be like yeah because you know the media would be quick to say you know Dennis last night or whatever and. It'd be like, yeah, just want to see it again and yep. again and again. And and that's, you know, and there, there's always going to be the the uh, debate between, you know, I, I can't, it was, you know, Brett Hall said it back in the day, you know, I can't be Brett Hall in 13 minutes. Right. <laughs> and, but then you have to earn more than your 12 or 13 minutes. And if you don't do that, then you're going to play 12 or 13 minutes. And I look it, at the it is the oh. ultimate hockey Catch 22. Yeah, I look at the process of Robertson. Um, you know, he didn't just get tossed on the top line. I know he got there pretty quickly, but he went in and, and fought and earned the minutes. Delandria is kind of doing it this year yeah. uh, where, you know, whether he makes mistakes or not, you sit there and see the good things he does, see the fight that he has. And, and I'm not sure that Dennis ever did that. I don't know how many games it was, like five, eight games ago. He fanned on a pass out of the defensive zone. And uh, it was late in the period and he got mad at himself. And I mean, he just raced up the ice and got a scoring opportunity in the last three or four seconds. And I'm like, whoa, that speed, if you could get that speed on a consistent basis, you really would be one of the best players in the league. I mean, you would have opportunities every game. Uh, so then, you know, when you look at that and say, oh, look, what happens when he gets mad at himself? Uh, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, there, well, there's less frustration going around with 
with uh, <laughs> with him through the years. And yeah, you know, I I would look at it too because I mean the the skills are so elite, right? And that skating yeah. especially. And I would just think to myself, man, if if he just took it and took it to the net, like three of every four times he did that, it would either be a penalty or a scoring chance. Yeah, um, or a rebound or whatever. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, why, re- and in some ways, that's why you see Rope hints his head snap around after he drives through there and doesn't get a call because right. it, he doesn't get a call a lot of the time. And yeah. and you know McDavid's kind of the same way, but at least you know they they are doing that semi-consistently where where they get into that area where I, it has to be a, a snap decision from the guys in stripes as to whether they're going to call a penalty on it or not. Yeah. Anyway, I did, did Donoff, man, uh, it, like I, I was thought, really impressed. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't know a whole lot about him, but man, he's got speed. He's got hands. And he was a, like a little bulldog on the puck last night too. I thought he made five or six really good plays that help, you know, keep the puck in the zone or help get the puck to one of his line mates. Yeah. I, I'm always just uh, exceptionally impressed by these guys that get dealt and, <laughs> you know, barely even know teammates and haven't had a practice with them and then thrown into a game. And, you know, if you didn't know, you'd, you wouldn't know yeah. that, that he hadn't done all that. So, uh, he, you know, he scored the goal and the goal, the, the goal looked like a guy who knew what he was doing and did other things throughout the game. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, you don't get again, the the trust in his game, the ability to make plays, the the experience that he has. Uh, you can probably move him around a little bit. Uh, he's always been an excellent power play guy. And we'll get to that in a little bit yeah. here. Uh, but it was a, I thought it was a wonderful debut. And again, it was one of these sour, uh, you know, not for him individually, but right. they, they, it gets spoiled. Uh, just an excellent start in a Stars uniform gets spoiled by the outcome of the game last night. And I'll say this, too. It's weird seeing 63 rocked out there again. <laughs> We have, the last guy to wear it was Mike Ribeiro, and it has been a, a day or two since yes. that. So, uh, and you got to get our eyes fixated uh, and and differentiated between Wyatt and him, sixty three and yes. fifty three. All of a sudden, uh, it, it's uh, numbers are funny because they do they do spark a memory in your they brain. They do. I know. It's, Try I mean, being a broadcaster it, in real time with that stuff. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, like you're twenty nine. That's just who you are. And, you know, there's a reason behind it. But, I mean, you're whatever. What are you, 80 now? And it's, you're still 29. Oh, my God. That hurts, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dodonoff is five teams into 63? Yep. No? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's taken on a lot of rosters. He doesn't have to battle <laughs> point. for it. Available. It's an available <laughs> it's one. It's available you number. You don't, to, you don't have to pay anybody with a bottle of wine to get it. Uh, to, all right. To overtime. Yeah. Which has become... Every game expected and continues to be perplexingly the bane of their existence and the agony of Stars fans. <laughs> I was, you know, after last night, I was just like, me, I don't know, maybe try three defensemen at one time, you know, <laughs> if they truly believe in waiting and wearing down opponents as the avenue to success, just just throw three D men out there. They haven't done that yet. See whether that gives them what they're looking for five overtime losses in the last 11 home games. And that yeah. that's the one that 
that stings because it, it has made it really hard to feel the glow of a point earned because everybody's going out of the arena feeling like they lost the game because they lost the game. I they know they got the a game, point, yeah. but they lost the game. Ugh. No, I agree. It's and uh, you know, I'm obviously on Twitter and social media and I'm getting questions from the fans and they're wondering why Ben and Sagan are out there to start. Um, but I, I think a lot of that is how did the players play in the game? And I thought Ben and yeah. Sagan were two of their best players. They had chemistry on the shorthanded goal. I think the coaching staff just, you know, you, you play a hunch. You're like, okay, these two guys are going well together. Um, but it's interesting to watch Jamie and then Miro, I think, also in overtime. Uh, I think they both want to win the game as quickly as possible. And so then both of them have started to take well, a little bit more risks. They both than- want... Yeah, they they both want some success. Like right, J- Jamie last night with the Mia Culpa a- after the loss, uh, he is a individual example of the dichotomy of a season. Yes, having a tremendous campaign in regulation and a cadaverous season in overtime. He's now been on the ice for seven of the ten overtime defeats, but. The the other guy you mentioned, Miro Haskinen, has the dubious lead in close proximity sudden death experiences. He's been on for eight of ten. Yeah, the two that, wins that he, Rangers he, loss may have been one of the worst shifts yeah, I've was. ever seen. Anybody? Not, not maybe. It was the worst shift that Miro's ever had. Well, no, the, any player has ever had. He made like four mistakes in a span of twelve seconds. Yeah, and it, and it, it it's very much like being a goaltender. Mm-hmm. Where when you make those mistakes in overtime, you are super exposed. Yep. And there's not very many bodies out there. And it usually leads to something uh, really monumental, like the end of the game. And that's how you live as a as a goaltender all the time. Like you make a mistake, nobody's covering yep. for you. And everyone's, you know, they're probably going to celebrate you and they're going to turn on a light and let everyone know who didn't know they're going to turn on a horn or a song or whatever and celebrate your failure. Thank you. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> the, the other two- irony of it, it to me, in my, is that what Rick did last year, he got so hammered for starting with Foxa and Lindell and defensive players on the ice to start the overtime. And then they won. And he's winning up in Winnipeg with, I haven't watched the overtimes, but one would imagine the same philosophy. So uh, because I interact with the fans a lot, I, I do laugh at them saying, we need to be aggressive. We need to go for the win. We need to do this. And then when you are aggressive and you do go for the win, it you know ends up in your own net. Well, the know. two wins, neither of those guys were on the ice for. But you mentioned at the beginning, like Tyler Sagan was on the ice for both the win against Ottawa and the win against Detroit, and he scored one yeah. of them. And uh, that's, that's why Tyler starts. And that's why yeah. Tyler plays in... In overtime, uh, it's just it's just gone. It's it's built a life of its own, and th- there's no question. It, it and it, you would understand why it's it's yeah. weighing on individuals' minds. And Jamie's been one of the greatest game enders in franchise history, and he's having well, and, a, and, and like you said, like like he's having a terrific season. He's one of the leading goal scorers. He he had a, a powerful game last night, and then there he is watching. The Canucks win it twice, essentially, in, in overtime and get a little dagger twisted in them, and then off they go. So yeah. tough, 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 tough. It is. 
point earned or point lost is is how I wanted to dive into it myself. So in in five of the first six of these overtimes, they came from behind only to lose in overtime. So okay. point point earned, right? Yeah. You rallied, you you at least got yourself to overtime. Yeah, you didn't get the full two points, but you got a point that, that you wouldn't have picked up whatsoever. However, in three of the last four, they had a lead. Uh, and if you're wondering, they sport one of each in the wins. So they had a lead and they were trailing in the two games that they won. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of it, all of that, but it, it's just an awful lot of of just ugly end of the game feeling. Uh, it, it, and it seems like they're much better if they can get all the way through the, the five minute overtime and into the shootout and and take their chances with that. And Robo's almost perfect to begin that. I I don't I don't know. It just the ones at home are the ones that are stinging. Yes, you get well, you, and the, and the amount of overtime on the road, and it's like, yeah, you got a point. Get out of there, whatever. But at home, man, it just it just rings differently. Yeah, and and the fact that the, every, every game's two two or whatever. And last night wasn't, but ah, uh, you know. how about this? Here's the Razor Boys living on a razor's edge stat of the Stars log. In October and November, 21% of their games were decided by a single goal. Yeah, 21%. Remember, it was Pretty back good. when they were thumping the opposition by three routinely. But since the start of December, a somewhat staggering 58% of their games have been one-goal games. Yeah. 58%. And I think now only Calgary has more one-goal losses than the Stars. And Calgary's issues are the opposite of, of the Stars' issues. Yeah. They, they, the first shot on goal goes in on them all the time. They're always <laughs> chasing. I mean, they've, they've just had an awful season with their goaltending, and they've had to chase. And even when they get leads, they lose by one, it seems. They just can't keep enough pucks out of their own net. And for the Stars, most of these one-goal losses feel like they're coming late and in overtime, and and that's the that's the digit uh, finality of these things. You give up one in OT, you give up too many in a shootout, and it goes down as a loss, even though you get a point. Yeah, and, and people who say the three-on-three, three, I get, you know, it's not going to be that way in the playoffs, but getting to the three-on-three you know, there is a process of, you know, you're making plays that if you make these in the playoffs, your series will be over pretty quick. And so they do need to learn to manage games better to either, you know, protect leads better or come back better when you have a power play in the third period uh, against yes. a team that's bad on the penalty kill and go cash in my, on that important power play because that will matter in the playoffs. Yes, Mike. I think you are on to something maybe here now because they have rallied. I mean, think of some of those games where they they showed a lot of heart and drive and yeah. and you know, scored late, like even the game in Vegas, uh, you know, to do what they did there, it wasn't an overtime win. It was a shootout win, but still, uh, same idea. I think a lot of times, and last night was another case. It just feels like I don't have the numbers, but 
if they would do some of the things that they can do really well within regulation, they wouldn't have to worry about the overtime part. Correct. Which, once again, is building up mental cholesterol on some individuals that play a lot in overtime and have shouldered the losses in overtimes, whether it be mentally or physically. The power play right now is just feckless. What in tarnation happened to the Dallas Stars power play, Mike? Again, again, it looks great a lot. It just doesn't score, especially right. at, at critical junctures. And I believe down here in the Lone Star State, they, they call that all foam and no beer, all hat and no cattle. Do they not? Hmm. Is that what they call it? I think uh, J.R. Ewing used to use that phrase. Well, yeah, he did when he was talking to Sue Ellen. <laughs> Digger Barnes. Maybe he was talking to Digger Barnes. At the Cattlemen's Club or whatever that yes. was? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great show. You and oil. Uh, but, like, obviously Marchman is in a big slump and uh, doesn't even get a shot off on a, on a great scoring opportunity. Uh, Pavelski comes in and just rifles one off the crossbar. And you're just like, you know, two inches lower, inch and a half lower, that one's in, and Pavelski's just celebrating. Everybody's saying what a great goal it is, but they're just But those weren't power right plays. I'm st- I'm no, talking, no, they weren't. I agree, but I think I'm that talking does, power like play, Mike. Stay on topic for crying it out It filters loud. into the power play oh, because they do create great scoring chances. They get to the net. Uh, I had a guy email me who said, oh, they're, they're not scoring ugly goals. Well, they're right there. They're hacking away at the goalie a lot of times, and it just doesn't go over the line. Uh, I mean, we had a, a review the other game, didn't we, where it looked like, you know, three quarters of the puck was over the line, yeah. but it wasn't clear <laughs> yeah. enough. And so, yeah. I mean, they're doing a lot, like you said, a lot of good things on the power play, you know, getting to the right areas. Uh, they aren't um, winning the puck battles they used. They were winning earlier in the year. I will say that. Uh, they reloaded pretty quick earlier in the year, and now you're seeing the puck go down to the other end, and then they have to skate it back. Um, but it'll be yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah but they got- I just thought they won a ton of puck battles last, uh, earlier in the year. And yeah. again, their power plays were only... 40 seconds. So they'd get out there, they'd score, boom. Hey, great power play, you know? Yeah. So we only saw the positives. They are, they are still, they're number one in high danger scoring chances per two minutes of power play time. Wow. Like there's no team in the league that gets more really good scoring chances per two minutes than the stars do. Yeah. But Heading into last night, they were 16th in actual power play goals scored. And I feel the conundrum that coaches must be in. They they see all the chances, and they see how they basically have their hand around the throat of teams' penalty kills. Um, so why shuffle personnel around in that? Yeah. Because it just looks like how this shouldn't be happening. Like, we're getting... All their underlying numbers and their eyeballs must tell them, like, my God, this is going to break at some point here. But it keeps getting longer and longer in the tooth. And last night was another example of it where they had, you know, they had those three straight power plays in the second period. They scored on one of them. They had a power play chance in the third uh, of it as, as well. And, you know, again, some of it sometimes is is the opponent too that you're looking over and going that is the worst penalty killing in the national hockey league 
And hey, by 6%, something like that. I think you, they were 66 and and tw- uh, 31st was like 72. Yeah. And they just couldn't, they just couldn't get enough. They needed more. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes just one power play goal is enough, but there have been so many of these uh, two man advantages and four minute power plays and, and they're essentially just mauling the other team, but they're not scoring. And ultimately, yeah. uh, that is that is what is needed. You you need that. And and I I agree with you. Like, there's no question that it it starts to eat at those players. Your your top guys that you know they feel the heat of some of that. And maybe they've gotten a little bit just a smidge to perimeter. I think when they were really smoking along, there there was a lot of. Uh, using that middle of the ice, a ton of deflections. Remember, they were just it was a deflected power play goal after deflected power play goal, um, but but that seems to have faded a little bit. And and uh, some way somehow they got to snap it back to attention and and start to score uh, more consistently when they absolutely need. I think that's the specialness of any yes. elite power play. Forget about maybe forget about the overall percentage in the and the standing and all that it's can you come through when it matters the most it, it's very similar again to goaltending you know yep. your your elite your upper echelon guys are the guys games on the line might have given up a goal early on that you'd like back but the game's tied do you do you make sure you make a stand and and they're not going to beat you with a, a fistful of rice so yeah what was the saying on brett hall so many years ago, where I think one of the opposing GMs says he it was in does Edmonton. Di- it was yeah, it was Kevin does Lowe. dick all for the whole game, and then he scores that goal. Yeah, yeah, he just did squat for sixty for fifty eight minutes, and then scores the winner. And you know that's what these power plays have to do for you. And somebody, and they've got five or six guys who could be that guy, uh, but they need them to start scoring the goal. Yeah, Rope's not scored as much on the power play this year. As no. as he had, um, and yeah, I mean they have they have so many weapons, and and Steve Spot has done such a great job with them early on. I mean they they looked like they were going to score at thirty five percent this season. Yeah, and uh, and just it is just hit a rut that they can not get a, a two by four under a wheel and get out of right now. They've scored in would we have it last night four of the last seventeen games. Yeah, that that's well, since again, it's just putting it's so much more heat It's putting so much more heat on their defensive game. And and again, trying to be perfect. And and I, I the premise again, that they would not find themselves in as many of these overtimes uh, where they they have to in their minds just go. Here we go again. They wouldn't be in those games if if they could just crack a couple more power play goals here and there. They they. Win them in regulation. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because Pete does – that is one of the things that I think fans get upset about is that he'll say, oh, it's a little bit of a slump. And then you go back and it's 21 games at 10.5%. You're like, that's a quarter of the season. That's not a little bit of a slump. But again, uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I think I think some of that, don't you, don't you believe, is, is again what I was talking about where they, they watch this yeah, stuff, oh no, they, they look know. at the underlying, they're like – the only area where we're slumping is the puck actually over the line and into the net. <laughs> yeah. Everything else looks great. Yeah, and that is how coaches look at it. Uh, home and road. What, what have you thought of of home and road? We're 60 games in now. For, for me, and I think for most, 
they, I mean, they've been better on the road. They have more wins on the road than they do at home. Yes. Uh, and, and, a, you know, a chunk of that, or at least a sliver of it is their inability to win these overtime games. A big part of them being as good as they've been away from home is Jake. Yes. I mean, he has been wowza on the road. NHL best 1.87 goals against average. He stopped 942 uh, as far as save percentages concerned. I mean, that 942 is insane. This yes. this deep into the season. And that that is a humongous chunk of why they have been a, a, a very good road team. But they've had lots of contributors, very consistent effort and play to me. Their details seem better. They're, they, they together better uh, than they have at home. It's, and there has been the weirdness of a lot of one-offs at home, but there was also an eight-game homestand. You know, the, you can't just blame it on on schedule or whatever. Um, that, but they've been. I think they they're in the maybe mid to lower portion as far as goals scored on the road. It's just their defensive game and their goaltending has been so outstanding. It 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 has rendered that moot. And, yeah, at, and home, if you, at home, it's a little bit of a different story. Yeah. Uh, I, I think all of what you said, I think they, they focus in better. Uh, they start games better. I don't know why the last couple of games, although they started bad in, in Vegas. So that was a bad game. But they I don't know. They just seem prepared. Um, and I do think starting with such a road heavy schedule helped because it was a new coaching staff. There were some yeah, new maybe. players. Yeah. They, they kind of bonded. And now when you're at home, it's just not the same. Uh, you're not out there, you know, all together on the bus or the plane or whatever. Um, it'll yeah, be really interesting to yeah. see what happens on the six-game road trip coming up. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they've got a couple of games here where, and again, you would have said last night's was the same thing, a couple of games where the points are just going to be sitting there. And, you know, they need to try and scoop them up. And then, you know, off on the road from Buffalo to Seattle to you know, Alaska or wherever else we're going. Uh, and then that'll be a challenge. And the other thing is the standings are tightening up. So then now uh, you go two or three games without getting two points. And, you know, maybe you're not in first place. Maybe you're in third place. And that in itself will be a mental challenge. I think this road trip starts in Lisbon, Spain, and then goes to Yavaskala, uh, Finland, by way of of Buffalo and Seattle. This is just an insane little trip. Back to my home road thing. The the goaltending at home as how could it be as good as as at times it's been on the road, but it has not been as good, not as sharp. The team not as tight. They've played looser at home. Uh they've scored more at home too. They've needed it some of it out of out of just pure necessity with those wild rallies in third periods. Um, it, it's just the way it's been. So, you know, you, you look back to last year and, and last year's team was better at home. They, they, they were a better uh, home team than, than this crew. This crew would have to use voodoo math uh, and win 12 of the final 10 home games in order to match last season's win total at American Airlines Center. You forget yeah, they won 27 games at home last season. That was the second most in the last 15 seasons. 
They won yeah, we twenty-eight talked about individuals in yeah. twenty fifteen sixteen, the year they won the the division. They won one more game. Yeah, and I it, but we even talked about individuals. I mean, even the top line, like their their numbers, home versus road, and then obviously Jamie Tyler, uh, whoever else was. You know, they scored a ton at home and barely scored on the road. I don't know about barely, Mike. Well, okay, sorry. The top the top line actually did okay. Yeah, but they were yeah. much better. At home. Yeah, it's just, I mean, every year is, is different than that, but it, it just feels like it's it's been a bit daffy at home. And again, look, if if they even just took half of their overtime games, we'd, we'd be talking about, man, they, they might win 30. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, like, oh. So speaking of 2015-16, could this be a 2015-16 redux that you ever think about this? No, that, I really don't. That team, if you go back to that team in 2015-16, they had a blistering October, November, and about maybe half of December. And and they too slumped in February. That that club, uh, I think they lost seven of eight at one point. You forget about that. They yeah. they, they had they had some stumbles. They they sort of played 500 hockey after that unbelievable start. But they went on to win the division. And I believe that was the year they they hanged a controversial Western Conference regular season banner. <laughs> did they not? <laughs> I think they did. Uh, and then they won around and they lost uh, in seven to St. Louis, which has become too habitual. It's not going to happen this year. They're not going to lose in seven to St. Louis this year. I, can, <laughs> I will guarantee you that. Uh, but if this if this group can do it, it would mark just the second division title in the last 17 seasons. And they, they certainly are in uh, a choice position to to challenge that and, and to try to do it. Yeah, and it's shocking to think about that. Like, I mean, they early on in the process for you and me, it was every year. I mean, it was what they won seven or six in you know eight years yeah, or something they got like to that. Absolutely, clown the Pacific Division back then. Yeah, but I mean they were. I mean they were a good team too. They also won in the Central, I think. Yeah, at least once. Yeah, early on in the process. Yeah. Um, and then to think they've only had one in seventeen years. Uh, I was talking to a friend last night. That, Sixteen. Yeah. So the fact that they're not on the bubble right now oh. is. Such yeah. a wonderful thing. Because if they were, we'd all be just screaming at each other. Yeah. And, you know, they have time to get out of this. They have time to, to sure. you know, make things good. But the simple fact they're in first place, it just makes you breathe so much easier. And if they could, if they could win the division, uh, one, that would be great for the playoff situation. Because I think the West is a very winnable conference this year and if you've got home ice throughout that that's a very good thing um and then two uh it sets you up going forward and i do believe that they're in a good place uh with the the young guys coming in and and where they're at uh as far as going forward just to have that momentum and pride of a division championship would be a very positive thing yeah a little more laundry up in the rafters yeah i'm i'm all for it and and that's what i love about this too is that some might look at this as being nitpicky what we're we're talking about but the great thing about it is 
you're talking about these things as they sit in first place in their division. Yes. You know, like it's not, oh my God, they'd be so much more comfortably in a playoff spot if, if this, that, and the other thing. This is more about, man, the potential's there for them to be, if, if you can be much better than in first place, uh, it's there for them. They, they could be. They, they've done some remarkable things this season. Um, but the last and now fairly elongated little spell, they're they're in they're in one they're in they're in yeah. a they're in a battle I think a little bit with themselves they're in a battle with others that have gotten better and as you mentioned things have really tightened up in the in the conference and who knows maybe I remember one of the first few podcasts that you and I were uh, spitballing on. And we were talking about, man, this team hasn't faced any adversity whatsoever. Like zero. Yeah. You know, no injuries. No, they're, they're blowing the doors off everyone by three nightly. Blah, blah, they're, winning. they're winning here. They're winning there. They're beating them. They're beating them. And now they're, they're, they're facing down some real adversity here in, in a few different areas. And it can only galvanize them a little bit and, and make them a little bit harder. And that's what you want. You want a little coarseness, some blisters heading into the postseason, and, and, uh, and an opportunity here. I just want to see it in those last, you know, 10, five games, it, them being in a, in a dog fight to win the division. That, that's like a, a pre-playoff playoff. And yes, we yeah, been, I agree. And we haven't been in those. It's been play for your life pre-playoff playoff, uh, mostly instead of that. And maybe they would they would disagree and say we would like to be breezing our way into the playoffs with a division title all wrapped up. But we've uh, already had enough adversity. Yeah. We're, we're through with yeah. that now. <laughs> yeah, but there's there, I don't know. There's there seems like it's it's there's more to to talk about and debate when it's this way. Uh, I believe a great uh, Texas songbird once said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That was a Texas songbird? I think it was. Uh, Was that Kelly Clarkson? What doesn't kill you makes you strong? You know, Kelly Clarkson. Wow. Good singing there. You know what? (laughs) You know what, Mike? With that, I think that does it for another Podman Rush presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Jordan's ears are just gone buzzing because he's got yeah, the... I think that's enough. I, an, an intriguing week ahead, to say the least. Yes. Time, well, here, time to be taken care of business, Mike. Whoa. So in the words of, and lyrics of Bachman Turner Overdrive. Good Canadian and, band. And we be taking care of business every day, taking care of business every way. We be taking care of business. It's all mine. Taking care of business. And what are we doing, Mike? We're working working overtime. That is just so perfect. Mercy. Woo. (laughs) All right. Good night, Mike. Good night, Daryl. Good night, Tom. Good night, y'all. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Back with Turner Overdrive. Taking care of business. Our ice didn't exactly form naturally. It's been forged by blood, sweat, 
and the Lone Star pride that runs through our veins. Our ice is Texas born, and we're here to show everyone that Dallas Stars hockey is Texas hockey. Rugged, rough, and proud. Join the rush and be part of the excitement all season long. Individual game tickets on sale now at DallasStars.com.